Welcome to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, the podcast for HVAC contractors who are ready to quit screwing around and begin growing their business. Powered by Rival Digital. On this show, you'll hear from industry leaders and become equipped with the tools and knowledge you need to build a world-class business. Now, here's your host, Eric Thomas. Hey, Lemonheads. I'm just kidding. What's going on, everybody? Eric Thomas here, host of the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast. Welcome back to another episode. We've got a really awesome show on our hands for you all today. We are doing a same-day launch on this episode. So if you're listening to this, we just got done recording. It's February 16th, 2022? Yeah, that's right. Uh, all day today at least high of 61 low of 28 that's what my watch says here <laughs> in virginia beach if anyone cares um thanks for tuning in to another episode of the smart hvac marketing podcast uh little housekeeping items here before we get going if you listen to the show and you find value out of it, if it makes you laugh makes you cry makes you rethink the way you run your business we would love to hear about it so please head on over to that review section on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and uh, let us know what you think. It would mean yeah. the world to us. We've got I think a. Great uh, well, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I also think great things, but unfortunately, I can only leave like one review on my own show. So oh. let's have to start creating fake accounts. <clears throat> <laughs> Today, we've well, got all a. The cool, uh, all the cool kids are doing that. <laughs> that's right. I agree. They are. And we've got. We've got a great guest with us today, uh, someone who I'm sure a lot of you have uh, heard of before, seen live speaking at a conference, or uh, maybe listened to their podcast, uh, Crystal Williams. Crystal, how are you doing? Yay. I'm great. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited to visit. I love the world of digital, and I love the home service industry even more, so we can talk about both. It's a win-win. That's right, and we will not be singing karaoke on this episode. That is how I've really got to know you. <laughs> Sweet home, Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that <laughs> I tried. That's all I'll say about that is I tried. I fantastic. Um, you had great crowd participation. Yeah. That's what it's all about. You got to get the crowd involved. Uh, so yeah, you got to get the crowd involved. It's the same thing on social media. If you don't get your community commenting and sharing and getting engaged mm -hmm. and you're just out there talking to yourself. So yeah. it is all about getting the crowd. Absolutely. Involved. It is literally, it's funny how you can apply so many things to marketing and advertising. Um, but for sure, you know, engagement is where it's at when it comes to, uh, you know, building, building your brand and building awareness about who you are. And so really, literally, even even as you were on stage singing, which I thought you did a fantastic job, um, it was pretty brave to get up there um, in Vegas on a karaoke stage. Um, but, you know, the social media is a great example of that. Like you said, just really plugging in and, and putting out content that is engaging, not trying to oversell people on social. I think people do that a lot too much. They think, well, I'm just getting post up. I hope that's good. Um, and instead you need to be focused on really engaging people. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, before we dig in uh, to to more about marketing and budgeting and all that good stuff, Crystal, why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself, uh, let our listeners know kind of your story uh, in the industry, in the trades, and uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Sure, no problem. So I am a trades baby. Uh, I was born into the trades. My grandpa um, and then my dad, now my brother, run a heating and air conditioning and now plumbing company here in East Texas, if you can't tell from my accent. And so I grew up in this industry, you know, like a lot of trade babies did um, as far as I answered phones and all that good stuff all through um, high school and then a little bit through college. Um, I went all, I went to work uh, with a marketing degree for another company. Um, not a heating and air conditioning company, actually a refreshment company here in our town and uh, was doing some marketing for them, but I really was passionate about it as a whole. And my brother calls me in 2014 and he says, I'm about to buy a new company. Um, we're expanding into this new market. I want to buy a new company, but we've got to up our game on marketing and employee engagement and community engagement. And are you willing to come over here? I'll match what you're making now and potentially help you make more money in the future. And so I was like, uh, which my family's pretty easygoing. Like we get along, we don't fight. Um, I'm the oldest, he's the youngest. We have a sister in the middle. Um, and we just, we're, we just have a good synergy as it is. Um, and so really it was literally one of the only reasons I would ever leave the company that I was with. Cause it was also a great family owned company came to work, um, started doing building out marketing processes. We were actively, um, on um, some great uh, programs like uh, Service Nation Alliance was a great um, best practice group that we were a part of. And so I really started plugging in there. Trey, my brother plugged in. My dad was plugged in there too. And uh, we just started growing with marketing and org I was organizing all of it, coming up with the ideas. I was working with all of our vendor partners um, as far as our website company, our direct mail company, you know, all of that. Well, I started meeting people through Service Nation and um, it it just led into people calling me and saying, hey, Crystal, could you do this for me? And I would take a little client here and I'd take a client there. And before I knew it, I had four or five clients. And so I went to Trey and I was like, I have four or five clients. And so he said, hey, remember back in 2014 when you took a risk by leaving your job? to come here and help me grow. How about I now return the favor? Let me give you a little support, let you kind of go and see if you can't make something out of this. That was in October of 2019. I started with myself and three clients. And what is it, 2022 now? I have um, over 55 clients across the United States and 16 employees. And so it oh. drastically um, took off for me. The Lord really blessed me with um, an opportunity to serve the home service industry. And so kind of felt like I knew what contractors needed mm -hmm. as far as um, they need support. I don't think they need another particular, um, they don't, most of them know what to do. They just need organization and they mm -hmm. need some strategy. And so there's great digital partners like rival digital. I mean, there's great digital partners, but somebody has to be driving the marketing train on, in the background so that we're good vendor. We're good partners to our vendors as contractors. Um, and so that's where lemon seed comes into play. Basically we organize all of your entire marketing strategy, all of your brand. We help you position in the market and we run with it and we work with your great vendor partners. One thing I am not Eric is a digital agency. I get that question a lot. They'll say, I'm calling you because I was hoping you could do my website. No, I'll help you find a great partner. 
but we're not a digital agency. We're a holistic, like let's put everything together. Mm -hmm. so. For those of you listening out there, Rival Digital is a digital agency. Yeah. And we can definitely help you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to ex to kind of expand a little bit more on the the McWilliams and Sons, uh, kind of how you guys grew that. Because I've I've heard this story briefly on your podcast and and when I heard you speak at ACA and some of these other places. But um, I'd love to dig in more into how just how you guys grew that brand um, at the local level for McWilliams and Son. Mm -hmm. So McWilliams and Son is a unique situation in the sense of, you know how everybody, Eric, how many times do you hear, I'm in a unique market? <laughs> Every time I hear that. My market is unique. Okay. So <laughs> it's really not a unique market. It's a rural market, mm -hmm. right? So we were in a rural market that um, had 35, 40,000 people, maybe, maybe 300,000 people within 60 miles of us. And so what we really figured that we needed to do was dominate in our close circle and then continue to dominate further and further. We moved out. Mm -hmm. um, and so what that meant was really devising a plan to reach and get new customer acquisition. Cause you know, also you feel like you know, everybody like, how does everybody not know that we do heating and air conditioning? Well, they don't because they don't care. Right. Yeah. So we have to work really hard for new customer acquisition. So we created um, we've had a jingle, a radio jingle for over 20 years. Um, and it's basically a, a situation where we sing because um, we're not comfortable till you are. And it it is like people sing it. It is the joke of the town um, as far as everyone knows our jingle. So that was one reason that we already had a pretty decent foundation um, for how to uh, like penetrate the market with that. So we kind of had, my dad had actually started that a long time ago. And that, that helped a lot. Um, but then we started really diving in with how do we take this three generations logo that we had made? So it's a caricature of my grandpa, my dad, and my brother. Um, and it was all, we started putting it on all of our vans and everything that we did. So then we became the faces to that jingle. And we just started telling that story. Then we decided to private label in 2018. So when we changed manufacturers and went to private label, we created a mascot called Sailor Mac. So my grandfather started the company when he retired from the Navy. And so we created a sailor. And we, my grandfather's name in the military was Mac um, for McWilliams is his last name. So we created Sailor Mac and we incorporated him along, uh, aligned him with our private label. Um, which our private label brand is called Armada, which means a fleet of warships. Um, that's our private label brand. Sailor Mac is a, a visual tie to him. Um, and then also just it merged it all together. So we have this jingle that we've had. We have the three generations logo. And now we're reiterating that story um, with Sailor Mac. And we just push it and we push it really hard. We run an aggressive um marketing campaign. We're very aggressive on marketing. Um, I'm going to say we hover around the 10% mark every year between all three of our location in total marketing spend. And so that helps. Uh, we spend enough to get noticed. Uh, that is one thing. And I think you can probably agree. Home service contractors, we tend to think we're spending a lot of money, but in the end, we're really not spending what we should be spending to see mm. growth. Yeah. Um, what is a lot of money to you personally in the grand scheme of thing and in the average scheme of things and in the advertising world, it's not that much. 
Um, especially those of you that are in a super competitive market. We yeah. run, I mean, when you're not spending a considerable amount, especially in digital right now, you're already getting beat before you even opened your eyes that morning. And so it's a struggle because you have to pace yourself. But um, we're real aggressive with that. Our community uh, outreach is another thing that I think we really do a good job at. We take Sailor Mac anywhere we can take him. We had him actually made into a full parade quality costume. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty changing for our brand. Um, and, and we've just kind of really just stuck with our plan. We make a marketing plan in November of the year before. We fine-tune it in December and come January, we're launching. We're rocking and rolling. We have some advertising levers that we try to pull. But again, if I can get on my soapbox for just a minute, I think you can probably join me up here in a minute. Sometimes clients do not know what they want to do. And so they'll say, well, I really wish I had these levers to pull when our business was slow. Hey, we'll give you levers, but you are probably trying to outsmart. You're overthinking. A drain clearing offer is a good example. I'll tell a client like, hey, why don't we have a drain clearing offer that's pretty aggressive? So when business slows down, boom, we launch this social media ad or this geofencing ad, this digital ad around a really and see what we can do. I can make the phone ring. You got to make your team perform. Right. But they can't get past well, my team. What is my team going to think about a dream clearing special? And what if it's in the main line? And what? OK. OK. So we need a plan to how to approach these situations, but it can't keep you from moving forward. So many of them are like their feet are stuck in concrete. You agree? They're just they won't make a decision. Yeah. And it just it's problematic. <laughs> Yeah. I think what they say is like the worst decision is the decision you don't make. You just ask a bunch of people and I, I'm, I'm all in favor of just, you know, just taking action. And then, yeah, I mean, even if it's the wrong decision, but just making a decision in general uh, and then bouncing back, but yeah, to go back to the marketing spin thing. Um, mm -hmm. That's something that we've talked a lot about with, with even some of our clients right now. Cause like what you spent to get you to, 4 million is not going to get you to 6 million to 10 million to 15 million. Like you have to spend to get to those points where I see a lot of people, you know, they'll hit, they'll hit 6 million or 7 million. And then they're like, all right, we're going to hit 10 million next year, but we're not going to spend more. And we're going to have the exact same team. <laughs> so, you know, I start with these questions. So, okay. So you're going to drive all of this growth operationally. So what are you doing? You're raising prices, you're adding team. Like, what are you doing operationally? Well, then they realize, well, I'm, I'm really not doing anything operationally. I'm not adding any services. I'm not going up on pricing. So how can I expect this to perform that much better? Oh, 1000%. I, I tend to get some newer contractors um, that are new. When I say newer, they're newer to advertising. And they'll say, well, I just don't understand because I've grown 30% year over year and I spent 2% in marketing. And I'm going to say, well, then see how that works for you. It's also taken you 10 years to get to 3 million, mm -hmm. right? So do we want to grow quick or slow? It's up to you, you know, um, but understanding your marketing spend and how it truly impacts how fast you grow is super important. <laughs> super, yeah. super important. Absolutely. So when it comes to marketing spend and budgeting, um, let's, let's kind of dive into what, what have you seen that works in regards to like a good breakdown of spend between traditional, digital, all that good jazz? 
Okay. So this is my personal algorithm that I call it. It's very basic and it needs to be fine-tuned for each contractor. But for the most part, I like to see people take, especially if you're trying to grow, I think you need to be at, at least 8%. I'm so sorry. I'm trying to turn off those notifications. Busy, huh? Yeah. Uh, I um, I tend to take the spend. So I like to see contractors spend around 8%, 10% if they're really trying to knock it out of the park. Um, but basically, I like to see us take and go, okay, we're going to spend of our marketing budget. I want 40% of it strictly to go to digital. And so 40% of my budget is going to be spent on working with my digital vendor to look at what's performing and look at what, if I added dollars to would perform even better. And so I'm not a digital um, expert. So I have to rely on my vendors, my vendor that I choose to give me good advice on where I could spend more dollars because I know I need to spend more because I need more customer acquisition to reach my goals. So normally about 40% of what I spend in total marketing dollars, I'm allocating to my website and page strategy. So that means I have a good SEO. So, so many clients come to me and they have a website with zero SEO work on it. Zero. Mm -hmm. That drives me crazy. I'm like, what are you thinking? Well, I didn't buy the SEO package because it was expensive. Well, yeah, it's expensive because <laughs> it matters. It matters yeah. like a whole lot. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of those things that's super hard to get directional and immediate ROI off of it. But if you if you're strategic enough about it and pick the right vendor, then you can work through understanding where your dollars are being spent. The next thing I see is between Google Local Services and PPC, those are search-based marketing strategies. And so mm -hmm. those only work when people are searching for the service. Mm -hmm. Correct? Again, this is my simple mind. This is like Digital marketing one-on-one, -on -one, Eric. So just bear with me. This is how my simple mind works with it. So PPC, if you're like pissed off that your PPC didn't work on a four-run stretch of 70-degree weather, that is perfection. Well, it didn't work a lot because there wasn't a lot of need for the service. Mm -hmm. So I always feel like you need to have a strategy in place that's a branding strategy or I call it an interrupter strategy that, hey, I know you aren't looking for this, sir, homeowner, but here I am. Yeah. Here's my here's my uh, tune-up offer. I know you weren't searching for it, but did you know that you needed it, right? Here's my yeah. branding play. So that's why I like to be super vocal with my digital company on how I can maximize my dollars that are being spent there and not just waiting on search-based responses. So 40% on my um, super metro clients, sometimes that number hovers more towards 50% because just their leads cost more. It costs more to play in those markets, I think. Yeah. So that less six percent of my budget is left over here, and that's where I split it pretty much um, sixty forty as far as the sixty percent of that that's left over. I look at branding. What am I going to do to, along with my website and things like that, to just focus on building my brand and who I am? position myself in the marketing, get a good message, a good hook. And what am I going to do? So for McWilliams and son billboards and radio, where I like to hang my hat to where I like to hang my hat. So it's what I do to keep myself in budget. I try to stay in that percentage of it. Sometimes I might go a little over if I'm moving into a new market and I want to buy 
a little extra airtime, a little extra, another billboard here or there. But for the most part, I stay there. And then that other 40% that's left over there at the end. Uh, so again, I split 40, 60. I take the 60 uh, percent that's left over. I split that again, 60% branding. So that leaves 40% left. That's my call to action. That's when I really start with direct pieces of calls to action. Just depends on what you want to do. That can be email marketing, text marketing, direct mail. That can be, um, at, sometimes I even add that more towards like uh, digital audio everywhere, OTT, CTV with calls to action on it. Just depends on where I want to put that. But it's kind of how I break it down. Um, and I, I get this question a lot. Well, Crystal, if I don't have $100,000, where should I start? I'm going to tell them all day long to start with some little piece of branding. So make sure your trucks are wrapped. Make sure you got a, at least a simple digital presence, you know, um, but get your digital side cleaned up. Yeah. Cause that's absolutely. where it's at. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The SEO thing. I mean, yeah, you know, $1,500, $2,000 a month, $3,000 a month. That does sound like a lot. Um, but to even to even play, you know, with some of the some of the big dogs on PPC and on LSA in your areas, you've got to spend that much anyways. Uh -huh. And you know, PPC is great for you know to get the phone ringing to get some some stuff coming through if it's a little slow. Um, but the second you stop paying that, you're nowhere. Like if you yeah. don't have SEO, you're gone. Yeah, don't even exist. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm like. It is. It's a unique. Digital is scary to contractors because we don't know how to tell if you're telling us the truth or not. Yeah. Right. Because we don't know. We're not a strategist. We're not in our Google. Okay. There's people in the world that are all up in their Google AdWords. A lot of times what I find is they're so involved in the AdWords that they're not working on the operational side of their business. So not only is it generating leads, but operationally they're not performing. So really the problem is on the operation side. So if contractors would spend as much time working on the operations as they do inside their Google AdWords dashboard, <laughs> then they would probably do it a lot better. So sometimes people overthink it to the, to the max. Um, and it, marketing is an investment, man. It's an investment, digital marketing for sure, um, because it's also one of those things. If some contractor is telling you, oh, man, I can get you on page one. Just give me a few weeks and stuff like that. Are they telling the truth, Eric? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> They're not telling the truth. No. Um, and so it takes time. It's a strategy. It's a long term strategy of how you're going to build your digital presence. And so just setting clear expectations for the contractor, mm -hmm. because to be honest, most of them don't have a clue. And they yeah. confuse all the acronyms. <laughs> yeah. And so they're like, I don't know, PPC, G GMB, GLSA, I don't know. Um, and so it's just really important that contractors, that vendors be very upfront. Like, hey, it's going to take us four months to move your your ranking and SE, yeah. using SEO strategies. Um, and then contractors, we can't be wimps. We can't be scared of spending the dollars. Um, you got to make spend some money to make money. Um, and then if you find yourself spending money and not making money nine times out of 10, it's not always the marketing tactic. It could be an operational issue. And so just make sure that you're checking all your, you know, checking everything before you just assume that it's, Oh, my website company's not good. Yeah. I'm with I you. get that a lot. My website company's terrible, Crystal. I, I don't think they do a good job. And so I start asking questions. Okay. So what is your SEO strategy? Well, I didn't choose to pay for an SEO package but you're mad that you're not ranking. Yeah. Okay. Well, how's your PPC? I mean, it's fine. I spend like $500 a month and I'm like, 
500, you know, so it's just setting expectations and contractors. We need to be educated enough, not so much that we have to learn to be, you know, digital strategist, but we do have to be educated enough to know, you know, what the acronyms are, um, when they are most beneficial and some good questions to ask your digital provider. Um, and then you need to communicate with your digital provider. The mm -hmm. more I can tell Eric about my company and what my goals are and what my pricing is and where we make the most money and my average tickets and my turnover rates and things like that, the better he can formulate a plan. But if I just go, get me on page one and make my phone ring. <laughs> is that not what happens? Yeah, I'm telling are. the truth. Yeah, you are. And, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, People don't like it because I tell the truth sometimes. But yeah. in all honesty, like most of the contractors, we're just good folk. Right. We're just good, hardworking. We can fix an AC. We can fix a heater. We can fix plumbing. We can do all these things. And we're great at that. We're not meant to be digital strategists. So stop trying to strategize. strategize. Yeah. Like the professional, do you want a homeowner hovering over your shoulder telling you how to fix the AC? Or do you want to go in and say, this is how you fix the AC? Yeah. Yeah. So you get what you pay for. That's right. So talking about uh, the Sailor Mac costume. Yeah, you don't mind me asking how much did that cost? Because those things can be like the custom mascot things are a couple thousand bucks, right? Yeah, so you're in the thousands. Um, my Sailor Mac has um, a he's heated, he's cooled. So I mean, I live in East Texas, so I don't yeah. need a heater, but three days a year, so um, it has a fan in the top, so he stays cool. It's a full parade um, size hat, so it's so big you look through the mouth of Sailor Mac. So. You know, it's, oh, wow. it's structured um, and then he's got a full uniform. And so it cost us several thousand dollars to get him created and customized and made and shipped. And um, we're actually ordering a whole nother, a, a whole nother one to have two um, Sailor Macs. We created a um, how to be a Sailor Mac guide so that people know how Sailor Mac talks, what he says, what he does, That's how cool. does he wave, you know, so that we can create that. But I am a sucker for a good mascot. Oh, yeah. Y'all, it just is such a good tie into your brand. Mm -hmm. um, and if you can't have a, a mascot, maybe even like a symbol or something to just anchor yourself in the market. So when people see that symbol or that mascot, they know what it is. Not everybody's meant for one because right now somebody's rolling their eyes like, oh, mascots are so corny. And they can be. But and I, that's why I say don't go on to like some janky website and order like a $60 mascot of a dog when you have a dog, like make it customized. If you're going to do it, do it right. Yeah. Um, and if you're on the fence, like, should I really do that? Like, how would I ever make my money back? If you can identify five or six community events to be at in the next year, you will pay for it just from brand awareness. That was going to be my next question. Like, obviously there's not like, a clear cut way to track ROI on a mascot. But what do you think if you had to guess, like what would you say kind of the rough ROI on something like that would be? So if I had to guess, and I mean, I'm shooting from the hip here. So our brand in general um, for McWilliams, it said, I'm going to say is generating probably 25 to 30% um, easy on the easy side of our new customer acquisition. So let me, let me answer it that way. I think that that's a good percentage of who comes to us because they know our name. Mm -hmm. We have great organic search, but I mean, we're 47 years old. 
So, and yeah. for 15 of these, we diligently worked on our marketing and our brand. Yeah. Um, I would be safe. I'm going to say for a, um, for a mascot, I think it probably takes a year of really diligently working events to be able to specifically go. I really saw a lift in brand awareness because you have people have, first of all, you have to put him out there. So if you're not going to engage in community events, you're not going to be at the local junior college basketball games, or you're not going to be in Christmas parades and you're not going to take them to bingos and, and boys and girls clubs and things, events, you know, like fundraising events where your target market is. If you're not going to take them to those things, then don't buy him. Don't buy him to hang him in a closet. Uh-huh. So formulate your plan first before you just launch him or her or it, um, because it's it's not beneficial until you have a plan for it and someone to go do it. So yeah. if you're an owner that's like, I can't take another thing on my plate, now's not the year. Don't do it, sis. Not your year, right? Yeah. But once you do it, I'm going to say within a year, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, people are loving Sailor Mac. But it takes a little bit, right? Like you're the new kid on the block. So you got to meet people and he's got to be engaged and we got to tell the story and we've got to use social and we've got to use all our all of our tactics to introduce him. Yeah. How many kids? How many kids in uh, in Lufkin dressed like Sailor Mac for Halloween? So we actually didn't have them dressed like Sailor Mac for Halloween, but we had Sailor Mac at our downtown trick or treat. So we're not downtown; we're far from downtown, actually. Now and listen, downtown Lufkin is not like downtown Las Vegas. Um, definitely rural downtown, yeah. but I feel like I speak to a lot of people. Um, so we're talking to like, but probably I think they said a couple thousand kids came through. Um, and so we just went down there. So normally it's just an organized trick or treat. Um, but we took Sailor Mac down there and we gave away Sailor Mac paper hats and we had a little photo booth set up down there. So we had all of these people that didn't like had taken a picture on their phone, but we were giving out like a photo booth picture. And so on that picture, it just said Sailor Mac wishes you a happy Halloween, McWilliams and Sun heating and air conditioning and plumbing. And it was fantastic. So now we have all of these people in our community sharing that picture because their kid is dressed up so cute. She's sta- he or she's standing next to Sailor Mac and we're sharing, sharing. People were naturally promoting our brand on social media because it was cool. That's awesome. And, and so this is our um, second year, like I call it season, season to have Sailor Mac um, active. And so we're really now like people call and say, we love Sailor Mac. Can he come to this event? Can he come to this event? So pressure. Yeah, I was, about, I was about to see like that definitely requires a community, maybe not a, a full-time community marketing manager, um, but that requires some type of coordination and, that's yes. something I'm seeing. Yeah, that's something I'm seeing with um, with a client of ours right now who've recently have hired a community um, outreach coordinator, if you will. You know, someone that's mm-hmm. getting out in the community and um, just going around and spreading the gospel about the company. What would you recommend to a company who can't quite afford a community outreach person but wants to get engaged in the community? Where what steps would you take if you were them uh, to get started? Sure. So I'm, I'm going to tell you, I don't think you have to have a community marketer necessarily, um, but it's one of the best positions that you can do, especially if you can use them for things like employee engagement, customer engagement. Maybe they're also in charge of sending out thank you, handwritten thank you notes, paying attention when people 
pass away, when people, you know, buy new systems, they're in charge of sending, all, you know, all of that employee engagement, paying attention to all of that. And then community engagement is also a part of it. But if I was an owner right now, I would highly encourage you to find a place to plug in. So for sake of argument, I'm going to use Rotary Club because it's the thing across the country. Find that type of organization and just plug in and start there. So as an owner, I'm committing to once a week, an hour, I'm going to go to this networking lunch. And it's a Rotary has a great mission, right? I'm a Rotarian. I love it. Has a great mission. Um, So you partner there. Well, then you start networking with that group and you start sponsoring some of the things that your local Rotary Club is doing. And just start there with owning those. So stop just throwing things at like, oh, I'm going to put my name on the back of a T-shirt. I'm going to put my banner up. No, we want to own the event. Meaning Mm -hmm. I'll be your photo booth sponsor, but I'm bringing Sailor Mac. He's going to be in every photo. (laughs) Right. So, but just, you don't have to overcomplicate it. Just pick something and start there. Say, I'm only going to work with boys and girls clubs, or I'm only going to work with battered and abused women, with foster children, with the diabetes association, the cancer affiliation, whatever it is. And the more of a tie it can have to you personally, where it matches your story of who you are as a company, Um, And like, there's a reason behind who you're supporting Um, to me also just fuels your fire to get in there and really start doing that. And then when you bring on a community marketer, let's say you have to do it for a couple of years, but you bring on a community person, then they kind of have a a ready-made place to step into and start working. And then they can branch out from there because they can do it full time. Um, And yes, I have three full-time community marketers that work at McWilliams and Son, one for each market. Um, and all their job is to make sure that we are supporting the communities that we live, work, and play in, that we're supporting the, the team members at each location, and that we are supporting our customers in each of those locations. So they're also responsible for generating reviews, responding to reviews, making things right. Because who, if there's a contractor listening that don't mess up, you a lie. So we messed up. And so he, he or she needs to go back in and kind of mediate situations. Um, and so it's really important that you understand the value of the position. Uh, and then you should see when, when our community marketers after a year, again, I know that sounds crazy, but I think it takes a year to really get your footprint in your community. Now they are responsible for saying, Hey, Trey, I need you to be at this chamber event and this community event. So it organizes, it it organizes where the owner can and can't be, can't be at everything. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it really pays off so well. They don't really handle anything on the marketing strategy. I strategize for McWilliams and Son. They just reiterate it. So if they know we're about to release a new program, Free Furnace, they make sure that when they're out and about in the community, they're like, oh, well, right now we have Free Furnace program. They just know our marketing. They don't really strategize it. Mm-hmm. And really, if you want a secret, a little pro tip here, the best community marketers are not your 30-year-olds. They're not. They're a little older. They're a little more established and they already are participating in their community. Uh-huh. And so what happens is they literally just get like, and they're going to say, so you're going to pay me to go to community events and luncheons. And I'm like, absolutely all day long every day and talk yeah. about it to everyone. Oh yeah. And it has been great. It's been a great investment for us. Yeah. I think that that's a, it's a great position to have. And it's like, <clears throat> like you were saying, when say when they get a new system when literally when anything happens it's like there they come because we all know you know i know technicians listen to this 
we've got nothing but love for you. Oh, hey, technicians. Hey, <laughs> we know sometimes y'all have been crawling around in attics and crawling around in crawl spaces. Y'all probably, you know, sometimes you get a little sweaty. It's good to have someone roll up who's clean and ready to, you know, talk uh -huh. to a homeowner and take a picture and kiss a baby. And yes, with the gift of gab and the yeah. gift of, yep. And also like side note, like I feel like our technicians, our installers, our plumbers, they need to know that someone's on the backside, like looking, I mean, March the 4th is employee appreciation day. And so our community marketers are getting things ready for that. Um, they're taking care of our team by saying, you know what, summer's coming up. I need to have Powerade or Gatorade in the office you know, for them? Do I have ice cream cones? Do I have a cool place for them to go? Am I checking on them? You know, and there's, there's so much to a community marketing position that people don't give value to, but it does offloads a lot off of the owner. Yeah. Um, consider them a personal assistant almost like, Hey, only notify me when there's a major problem. <laughs> yeah. When they say, they say getting a new HVAC system is the third, the third largest investment that you'll make. Uh, in your, in your life. I mean, I'm sure you'll, some people have to make it more than once, twice, three times, uh, uh -huh. but they say, obviously the first is purchasing a home. Second is a vehicle. And then they say third is your HVAC system. And if you think about like when I purchased our, when we purchased our home on like our closing inspection day, the mortgage company sent someone to the house bearing gifts and a packet with offers yep. and information and stuff like that. When you buy a car, they send someone in to offer you an insurance and a warranty and a free detailing why not the same thing for hvac send someone to the home right as the installs wrapping up here's a packet with one information about our maintenance plan our comfort club two do's and don'ts what size what merv rating do you need for your air filter this is mm -hmm. what you, you know this that and the other and it's kind of like your closing day for your new hvac system yes that goes a long way with the home. It does. It goes a long way. And it's part of the customer experience mm -hmm. and it's part of your brand. And that's another thing. Like branding is so much more than a logo. Like it is, what is the customer journey look like from the moment they discover you to the moment they call you to the moment, the technician, to the comfort advisor, to the installer, to the follow-up, to the then perpetual, you know, contact. What does everything look like? Um, and is it on brand for my company? Absolutely. Well, we're beginning to wrap up here. Uh, this yeah. has been an awesome episode. We have a game that we play. It's a, a segment on the show. It's called Hold My Beer. Typically, there's a beer. However, it's only 1 o'clock on Wednesday. So um, not going to be using a beer. We're using a, a Powerade for this one. Okay, great. Uh, how the game works, I've got a koozie here on the Powerade. Uh, I get these koozies from trade shows. If you've ever seen me at a trade show uh, and I'm running around the show floor with a bag, it's probably because I'm taking all the koozies off the show floor from people's tables. Uh, and so today, how this game works, I've got the koozie. I try to explain what the company is and what they do. And then you have to guess who the okay. company is. Uh, this one should be pretty easy. Do I know the company? You should. Okay. All right. So they're, they're a mobile app for contractors. And they help you organize the pictures uh, from job sites. <laughs> That's right. Company cam. Yay! Yeah. You don't want to with their colors, but then I got worried. Like, what if that's a trick? Company cam. We actually yep. utilize company cam. Um, we used it a lot more um, previously, but great. Super cool. I'm so, smart. Yeah. You don't win anything. You doubt me. You doubted me, Eric. I think you doubted me. <laughs> no. Nah, um, 
there's some other there's some other koozies I've got that I'm, I'm waiting to try out because they're like a little bit, especially some of these koozies I got at AHR that are like chillers and. Well, that's what I was afraid you were going to show me with like, like some equipment, like backflow it, preventer company. I'm like, oh. <laughs> as long as you stay marking, I'm in. I'm there. Yep. Awesome. Well, Crystal, is there anything that we we missed that you were hoping to cover in today's episode? No, no, I, I had a really good talk about it. Um, I would love for those to go listen to From the Yellow Chair, which is mine and my partner's um, podcast, where we talk about just marketing as a whole from for home service industries. And so Eric will be visiting on our um, podcast soon. So that'll be exciting. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Awesome. Well, Crystal, uh, I appreciated you having being on the get uh, bleh, being on the podcast today, being my guest on the podcast sure. today. Uh, I was reading one of these comments over here and trying to speak at the same time. Uh, so awesome. What, what's the way that folks can reach out to you and, and get in touch and learn more about Lemon sure. Seed? Absolutely. So lemonseedmarketing.com. Um, and we have a hello at lemonseedmarketing.com email. Um, super simple, crystal at lemonseedmarketing. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook under my name. And of course, Lemon Seed Marketing is across all social platforms. I'd love to hear from you guys. Let me know what you thought about the podcast. Um, I've, I really enjoyed it. I actually got to meet Eric in person and hang out um, at the last show we were at. And then I think I'll see you a couple more times pretty quick. But um, I, I'm out and about. And so I'd love to visit and talk to anybody. Awesome. Crystal, thank you so much for your time. You. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks, you too. Bye. Thank you for tuning in for another episode. If you're an HVAC contractor in need of digital marketing services, contact us today at www.rivaldigital.com.